everyone, and welcome to The Scoop. I'm Dinah Jansen, your host, and we have the great pleasure and privilege of welcoming Professor John Small from Queen's University's Department of Biology and Canada Research Chair in Environmental Change here to the virtual studio today. Welcome, John. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. It's so delighted to have you here as well. And we were going to chat with you last week, but uh, we had some delays because it took a little, it took a few days for election cycles to cycle out. And it certainly was a roller coaster. <laughs> it certainly was. It certainly was. So I'm glad that we were able to make arrangements for uh, today to chat. And today, folks, yes, we are chatting about the outcome of the uh, presidential election in the United States with a specific focus on the environment, which, well, John, maybe you have something to comment on here right now. We haven't actually heard a lot about the environment in the last week. <laughs> well, it's true, but I mean, uh, there, it's hard to believe two presidents who are more diametrically opposed in their views on the environment. Now, of course, the proof will be in the pudding uh, mm -hmm. of what, what Biden, pre president-elect, I suppose Biden will do. But uh, we certainly were going through a very grim four years with uh, President Trump. Uh, his view on the environment everywhere from the local to the regional uh, to the global level was uh, a very, um, I mean, it, it would be important just to, uh, even, a complete, even a slow progress would be quite serious, but we weren't even into progress. We were going in full reverse uh, with the uh, Trump administration. Uh, and this was very serious because we don't have time to go in reverse. We don't even have time to go forward slowly. Mm -hmm. So I think their two policies are, are very, very different. And so I'm more optimistic than I was before, but we still have a long way to go. Uh, we have some very, very serious environmental problems, not least of which is global warming. Mm -hmm. All right. And we will uh, dig down into some of those issues as well as platforms and policies uh, in just a couple of minutes. But got to ask... Saturday, what was your reaction? We were waiting and waiting for days. As soon as you saw the Twitter feed light up, what did you say? What did you do? Oh, I said, hallelujah. I actually played hallelujah on YouTube <laughs> as the announcement was being made. <laughs> Had it ready. So, uh, you know, it, this was a very important election dealing with a whole variety of issues, but certainly uh, there, you know, there's a lot of things people worry about, the economy, terrorism, things like that. I certainly believe the environmental issues we're facing today are far more serious than all those issues combined. I, I think, uh, you know, we, we've just had done a poor job of explaining to the general public of how serious the issue really is and how this isn't something that you can fix after the fact. Uh, nature is slow to pardon our mistakes. And the farther we go into uh, this environmental degradation, again, not least of which is climate warming, but there's a whole spectrum of other issues that are up for grabs. Uh, you, you, you do not just reverse these decisions and it's much harder to correct them after the fact and takes a lot more work and a lot more money. Mm -hmm. So uh, it really is a, there's a, a glimmer of hope that we might at least start shifting in the right direction now and hopefully we get some velocity as well. Indeed, indeed. So now, as you mentioned at the top, there were two candidates with uh, very different stands on the environment uh, from the local to global levels. Um, so can you remind us now that we have a winner, Joe Biden, can you remind us what his platform or his party's platform is and how do you think this will actually play out over the next four years in not only U.S. domestic policy, but uh, foreign policy as well. Yes, well, of course, the president doesn't 
can set direction. Of course, he or she can't actually do everything on their own. So it's going right. to need help from Congress and Senate and so on and so forth. But uh, the platform is, is diametrically opposed. Uh, for, uh, Biden refers to uh, climate warming as the most serious issue facing humanity today, for example. Um, contrast that with uh, Donald Trump, who I think one source had, he had tweeted, uh, he had tweeted the reports of climate skeptics over a hundred times during his four years. <laughs> so that gives you just an idea of how different uh, that view is. So Joe Biden at least fully recognizes this is the most serious threat that we have to deal with. Uh, while um, Trump was, um, well, we, I mean, the, uh, you know, he, he ran sort of, instead of using science, used slogans. I mean, remember four years ago, clean coal, which of course is an oxymoron, uh, but uh, talking about reopening and re reinvigorating the coal plants, which, not, which didn't happen, of course, but uh, that as opposed to actually uh, Joe Biden's plan of investing, I think, uh, planning on putting $2 trillion into green energy and transforming the, uh, uh, the economy to a green sort of economy. I mean, they're, they're totally different, different views. Uh, everything from, uh, and you go into more of that, I'm talking more about global issues, uh, greenhouse warming, but even local issues of protecting um, uh, local, uh, you know, nature reserves and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, Trump constantly uh, easing environmental regulations or you know, just removing them. <laughs> uh, you know, they, there's this whole new speak of different language. Uh, you know, we're going to increase efficiency and cut red tape. What that typically means is we're getting rid of environmental regulations. We're letting industries do what they want, uh, more or less do what they want. So uh, they certainly have two very, very different policies that they've been putting forward. <laughs> course we can talk in four years and see what happened uh, that's another that's another difference but there's definitely a big difference in um in what they're saying and what they plan on doing uh all right so dr small we have as of uh, monday afternoon when we're recording this it looks like there are uh still a couple of outstanding states to finish their counting uh georgia north carolina and alaska but at the moment uh we understand that there are 215 to 196 in the um, House of Representatives, so a Democratic majority, but it looks like there's now been a Senate swing over to the Republican Party, 48 seats to 46. So that means that there's likely still going to be an issue of control in the Senate if the Republicans indeed have more seats. Do we anticipate then as we did in the Obama era, a lot of filibustering and, and blockages for uh, administrative legislation about the environment coming yes. from Senate. Yeah, so I, th I think two Senate seats will still be up for grabs in January, which might make it, uh, I guess that would make it a tie and then the vice president breaks the tie. So there's still a possibility uh, that I think the Democrats could uh, at least have control of both houses. But uh, even if they don't, I mean, in the, the history of the United States and environmental policy, a lot of things were done across the board. You know, there were bipartisan agreements mm -hmm. and surely they should be able to find some, some senators on the other side, for example, to uh, agree to some of these issues. So I think, uh, I think I'm fairly uh, confident even that can be done. But, you know, I, I'm not American and I'm, you know, I, I'm an outsider watching uh, from the North, let's say. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it, you know, I think... Still, it, even if you don't have it all, you can still make some changes. I mean, look, Trump uh, certainly didn't have uh, 
all uh, he didn't have the House of Representatives in the second part of his term and still managed to do quite a bit of damage. I mean, I mean Joe Biden says on the first day he's he's in the office he's going to reinstate U.S. into the uh, Paris Accord, for example. Uh, these are major international initiatives. Some may be somewhat more symbolic until you get action, but at least we're going in that direction again. All right. Well, the Iranian president actually called on uh, the United States and Biden's new administration to uh, start talks to renew the uh, nuclear agreements with Iran. Uh, do you think that there might be some calls? Have there already been direct calls, but will there be for the United States to re-enter the Paris Accord? Well, I think uh, Biden said on his first day in office, he's going to uh, re-sign back into the Paris Accord. So that's actually his campaign. And I think he's planning on doing that in January after he's sworn in. So I think that is a, an election promise. Huh. Uh, and he said it all the way through. So I think that is going to happen. Uh, and so then, then, of course, we have to keep moving in that direction, though. It's one thing to say. A lot of people sign documents and then, you know, uh, document is signed, but is action actually going to happen? And we, we already know that many countries are not yet meeting their, their signposts, if you like. There's these different analyses done every year by the United Nations, like how far apart are people from what they said they're going to do and what they're doing. And a lot of countries are not moving as quickly as they claim they would be. So it's one thing to promise something. It's another thing to deliver action. But at least we have someone, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking for positive things here. At least we have someone who says we're going to do it as opposed to someone who says we're not going to do it. Someone <laughs> says we're not going to do it. I'm sure we're not going to have progress. So uh, so I think at least that is in a positive direction. But, you know, yeah. Back in four years, we'll see, you know, what the emissions have done. Right, and, indeed. And, yeah, I mean, the United States is 15% of all emissions. And so it's an important part of, part of the formula. But people have already said, well, if the U.S. isn't online, well, okay, we'll just keep going without them. At a certain point, uh, you know, you have to say those things because there's too much at stake. But I think uh, it's, it's, it's positive right now. Okay. Will the United States find itself in a place where it can be a global leader in the fight against climate change? And if so, what do they need to still do to get there other than resigning? But after the last four years, sounds like the U.S. also has a lot of catch up to do. Yeah, it does. It That's going to, yeah. in order to even be at the standards uh, of emission standards that yeah. they should have been right now. No, that's true. Uh, that's true. They have a lot of catch up uh, to do as well. Yeah. Uh, but um, so uh, they... Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Biden does have in his platform, at least, you know, platform is one thing, uh, you know, action is two, but, but he has uh, a very strong commitment to uh, putting the United States on a path towards carbon neutrality. I think he's talking about $2 trillion for that. Uh, so, I mean, there are, there are, there's some meat, at least in the platform of how to get to these, these issues. Certainly, uh, we've fallen way behind uh, in, in, in dealing with greenhouse gases. And there's no question, uh, you know, we're not in a good place right now. Mm -hmm. But if people pull together and actually move forward, we really do have the opportunity uh, to continue on along these along and actually save the planet. I mean, it's very late. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm still a general optimist in that I don't think it's too late, but it's very, very late. Mm -hmm. And we really don't have the luxury of waiting anymore. We need aggressive action on this topic. And uh, at, at least uh, President-elect Biden is saying the right things. And let us hope that he'll have continued with the commitment, but also have sufficient uh, backing from uh, elected representatives and so forth 
to actually bring this to action? So uh, we did touch on it before we actually started the formal part of our interview today. Uh, but I wondered about your thoughts on CNN's statement that the U.S. election was a vote on climate change uh, for the whole world. What impact did climate change, in your view, actually have on the election and the vote in this cycle? What do you think? I think it had an impact. Uh, I don't think it, it, I think, yes, I think it was a major part of, of the voting, um, whatever criteria people use for voting, uh, for, for pro and against. <laughs> we have to keep in mind about 48% of the vote went to uh, Donald Trump. So, I mean, that is a worrisome thing. It's a divided country on mm -hmm. a whole spectrum of issues, not least of which is climate change. Indeed. But, but it was, in many ways, uh, that was a topic that um, uh, just Joe Biden consistently brought up. And he talked about, he I would go maybe more, it was a, um, an election on using evidence-based policy. Uh, it was interesting that in Joe Biden's, uh, I guess we can call it to technically, yeah, I guess it was his acceptance speech on Saturday, on the, uh, Saturday night, uh, he used the word science and scientist, I think four times. I've never heard a president use those words in those types of speeches. It's clear that he's looking at evidence-based policy as part of his, uh, part of his mandate. Um, it, and it's, again, it's the complete dichotomy of what was happening in the last four years. We used to call people who spent 30, 35 years uh, studying an issue, we used to call them experts. Suddenly they're called elites. You know, it's like, you know, uh, you know, I mean, why do we have people studying an issue for 35 years if we're not going to listen to what they say? And instead, we're going to listen to like a basement blogger. Uh, you know, in science, opinions don't mean very much in science. Data matters. It's what you can show and what you can prove uh, using a scientific method. Wishful thinking has no place in scientific matters and should have no place in basing uh, evidence-based policy. And so I think that's a real difference between the two. Uh, while one is tweeting, you know, climate skeptics, the other one is talking about using evidence-based policy. Excellent. Okay. So thank you for that. Um, now, I guess we have to uh, get some words from you on the impact on the outcome on Canadian politics and policy related to the environment. Do you, do you see any changes coming down the line, new, new relationships coming down the line? Well, I think, uh, I think it's, it'll be positive, certainly for environmental policy, let me put it that way. Uh, this certainly much more closely aligns to what Canada is saying uh, at the federal level. Uh, and so I think this will make uh, relationships much easier in that respect, for sure. Uh, it won't be an, uh, such an antagonistic relationship. I think, uh, I think along a whole spectrum of other issues, I think it'll be much easier. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, there are some other issues. For example, Biden has said that um, the pipeline is not going to continue, <laughs> which is going to have a certainly effect to uh, Canadians living in, for example, in, uh, um, in Western Canada. So there's going to be also these issues that are going to be somewhat uh, irritant for at least some Canadians. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think on, a, on the broad scale, let's say, on the broad scale of issues, uh, I think it'll be much more easier and much more, uh, much more friendly. And, um, you know, if you're going to use evidence, maybe we'll have two governments trying to use evidence instead of, uh, you know, wishful thinking. Wow, <laughs> what a concept. Yeah, it would, be nice. it would be nice. As a scientist, it would be nice. <laughs> All right, uh, Dr. Small, do you have anything else to add? 
Uh, no, I think we covered uh, the main points, I think. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, t touch base again when we see some developments uh, in either Canadian or American environmental policy. But thank you very okay. much for joining us to comment on the outcome of the presidential election down south and what that might mean for the environment worldwide. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.